morning, everybody. You guys can come on in and find a, find a place to grab a seat. You can continue catching up with your friends after church. I said you can continue catching up with your friends after church. Just kidding. It's good to have a church that likes hanging out with each other. In John 10.10, Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it to the fullest. I've come that you would have life and have it to the fullest. I don't know about you, but life to the fullest sounds pretty good to me. Here Jesus tells us the actual reason that he came to earth was so that we could have life to the full. Do you have life to the full? Or does your life feel a little bit less than full? Romans 8, 38 and 39 says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? This is one of my favorite scriptures, and it's such an important scripture for us learning how to live free, for us learning how to live that life to the fullest. Help us walk through life feeling like we're light on our feet, not like we're walking through life carrying a heavy burden. One of the greatest reasons that I see Christians walking through life not living life to the fullest is condemnation. And this portion of Scripture that we're going to look at in Romans teaches us how to not walk under condemnation, but to live that free, full life that Jesus came to earth so that we could live. In order to understand what's really happening in this um, portion of Scripture, we need to understand what's happening in the chapter. So I went back to Romans 1. And Romans 1 starts out with the word, therefore. And anybody who's been around church for very long has probably heard a preacher say, if you see therefore, we have to ask what it's there for. So in order to understand what's going on in Romans 8, we really have to understand what's happening in the first seven chapters. So I'm going to real quickly walk through the first seven chapters of Romans for you. Romans chapter 1 and chapter 2 highlights our need. Romans 1.25 says, They exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator. I read that this week and I thought, man, if Paul could walk around the United States for a second, I think he would come back and he'd go, let's look back at Romans 1, because this is exactly where our world is at right now. We've exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator. This is a problem. We have a sin problem, which is what Paul is trying to show us. In Romans 2, 2, he says, Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on the truth. So we exchange the truth for a lie, but God's judgment is still based on the truth because God never changes. Humanity has a problem and we need a Savior. We have a sin problem in our life. Then in Romans 3 and 4, God lays out His plan. Paul lays out God's plan. Romans 3.21 says, But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. And then Romans 3, 22 and 23, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew or Gentile, for all have sinned and all fall short of the glory. 
So we see Paul says we can't live out the law perfectly. The law is perfect because God is perfect, and we can't live out the law perfectly. We can't earn our salvation. We can't work for it. We can't perform good enough. But Jesus came to make a way for us. Then in Romans 5 and 6, Paul says God has a purpose for our life. In Romans 5, he starts out talking about how God has a hope for us and he has peace for us. In Romans 6, 17, he says, But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. So you used to be a slave to sin, and now God has made us servants to him. We used to be a slave to sin, but now Jesus has made us righteous. You can't help but be righteous because you are in Christ, and because of that, you are righteous. That brings us to Romans 7 and 8, where God has a promise that Paul shares for us. Romans 8.1, back to where I started, starts off, Therefore, so because of everything that I said in the last seven chapters, because of everything that I laid out, because of our sin problem, because of God's plan, God's purpose for us, now I have a promise for you. So Paul offers us a promise from God. It starts off in Romans 8.1, he says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. When we don't have condemnation, that is a big part of living life to the fullest. That's a big part of walking through life free. But so many of us are not living life to the fullest. We are not walking through life free. We're carrying the burden of condemnation. But Paul tells us, because of the work of Christ on the cross, there is, the, there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ. The inner talk of condemnation is not the voice of God in your life. That is sometimes our own voice, sometimes it's the enemy's voice. Sometimes the enemy doesn't even really have to mess with us because we beat ourselves up enough for the stuff that we've done in our life. The enemy doesn't even get the chance to hit us. We throw the first punch and we tear ourselves down for the things that we've done, even though Paul says there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ. If the enemy can't stop us from living for Christ, if he can't stop us from giving our lives to Christ, the second best thing he can do is remind us of who we used to be. And to tell us that because of all the stuff that we've done in our life, because of the ways that we've failed, God can never use us and we can never be who God made us to be. The main text I want to look at this morning is Romans 8, 38 and 39, one of my favorite portions of Scripture. It says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. When I first memorized that scripture, the version that I used said, I am persuaded instead of I am convinced. And that word persuaded there means to be um, convinced by love. Not persuaded like a, a sleazy car salesman, not that kind of persuasion, but we experience the love of Christ so much that we begin to believe what he says about us. Kind of like when the scripture says his kindness leads us to, per, to repentance. There's five things in the scripture that Paul says cannot separate us 
from the love of God. And I want to look at those this morning. The first thing that Paul says is nothing living, nothing dead. Nothing living, nothing dead. Now, death is hard. And I think probably almost all of us who are here have experienced death in one way or another. We've lost a, a family member or a loved one or a friend. Man, death is hard. It's hard to walk through. It's like the grief of it is really, really challenging. But life is also hard too. Like life can throw some, death can be challenging to deal with, but life itself can throw some stuff at you that can be so hard to deal with. That's what Paul's talking about here. When he says death and life, he's not talking about life being like your neighbor and death being the uh, coming zombie apocalypse. Like that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about the challenges of life that we walk through. And if we're honest, sometimes we try and put on a face and act like everything's good, but the truth is, for each one of us, life is really hard sometimes. It is not easy by any stretch of the imagination. The Apostle Paul knows a little bit about what life can be like. He knows about the challenges that will come in life. Just to give you a few things that the Apostle Paul went through. He went through unjust persecution. He went through famines. He starved. He was falsely arrested and thrown in prison. He was shipwrecked. He was regularly threatened to be murdered. Like the Apostle Paul has been through some stuff. Like he knows what it's like to go through stuff. But what's interesting about the Apostle Paul is when he goes through these challenges, his faith seems to grow. His faith seems to deepen. His relationship with the Lord seems to be stronger when he comes out the other side of that challenging thing that he walks through. I've seen people sometimes lose faith. Some people walk away from the Lord when they go through the challenging things of life because it's hard and they feel like it's just too much. And if you're honest, there's probably been times for each of you that you've been at the breaking point where you feel like life is just too much. What's kind of crazy about what the Apostle Paul wrote here when he says neither death nor life could separate us from the love of God, he actually didn't know specifically what the church was about to go through. He could have guessed and speculated that the church was going to continue to be persecuted, but he didn't know specifically about the horror that was about to come on the church. There's a new leader that's about to come into place a new emperor his name is nero and this is one bad dude like this is not the kind of guy you want to be friends with like nero is nasty 20 years after paul writes this scripture there's a a fire in rome and all of rome burns to the ground one of the biggest fires that ever happened the most powerful empire on the face of the earth at the time burns to the ground and for literally no reason other than the fact that he hates Christians, he's insecure, and he's afraid that they're going to overthrow his kingdom, he blames the fire on Christians. Fire, was, it wasn't done by Christians, but he blames the fire on Christians. And he says that he's going to persecute them, and there's all these ways that Nero is going to persecute Christians. Just one of the ways that he was going to persecute Christians is he was going to take them, tie them on pedestals, and hang them all over the streets of Rome. He said he wanted to light up the streets of, of Rome with Christians. So he'd, he'd put Christians up on these pedestals and then light them on fire to light up the night in, in Rome. This is just one of the ways that he persecuted the church. And Paul didn't even know this was coming. But if Paul did know it was coming, what he would say is, 
even if we have to walk through this horribly horrific, gruesome time, or if we have to be burned at the stake ourselves, even that, even in that most difficult thing in life, we cannot be separated from the love of God. What I want to encourage you this morning to do is to not pull away from God in life's challenges. Let life's challenges drive you further and deeper into relationship with Christ. That's how Paul was able to go through the stuff that he went through and come out the other side is because the challenges of life drove him deeper into relationship with the Lord and he didn't pull away from God. The second thing that Paul says is nothing spiritual, nothing physical. Paul's talking about what others can do to you in this portion of Scripture. He also references angels, principalities, and powers. He's talking about the spiritual world here. There's a spiritual world going on behind the curtain that we can't see with our eyes. And it's very, very real. Sometimes we feel like we're just dealing with the normal, difficult stuff of life, but really, you're not just dealing with normal, physical stuff. You're dealing with a spiritual battle. Do you know when the most common times are for people to struggle in their life? Maybe to have fights in their families or, or to struggle in temptation to sin? It's going to be Saturday night and Sunday morning. Like the worst family blow-ups are Sunday morning on the way to church. I promise you. Like every single time. And you laugh because you know it's true. But do you think that it just happens to be that that just randomly happens on Sunday mornings? No. The enemy knows that you're about to roll into this place and lift your hands and sing and worship God. You're about to hear the Word of God that will come and set you free in your heart. And he doesn't want you to have anything to do with that. He wants you to sit down in worship with your arms crossed, feeling like a jerk because you know what you said was wrong and how can I stand up and worship when I did this stupid stuff? How can I preach when I'm such a hypocrite? Like, That's what the enemy wants you to feel in here on Sunday mornings. He will do everything he can to stop you from coming here and connecting with God because there's a spiritual battle going on for your life. And how many of you have had physical challenges in your life? How many of you have had your body break down on you? If you haven't, just keep living for a little while and it will. Because all of us came from dust and we're headed back to dust. Like, our bodies are frail, they're falling apart. 40 feels a lot older than I expected it to. Probably 60 is going to be even worse, my dad says. Like, our bodies, we have all these troubles in this world. But I watch people go through physical trouble and so many times they end up further away from God through their physical trial instead of leaning into them. In this life, you're going to have trouble. And in those challenges that we walk through, whether it's a spiritual challenge or a physical challenge, oftentimes I watch people go down the road, and I do it myself at times, of saying, God, why in the world is this happening? Like, why would you let this happen? Like, I was under the impression that you were like an all-powerful God and you could like handle this stuff. If that's the case, then why? You're either doing this to me or you're allowing it into my life. Like, one of those things. So why are you doing this? I'm trying my best to serve you. I'm trying to be faithful. Why are you allowing this stuff to happen? That's a really dangerous road to go down because when you go down that road, unknowingly, what you're doing is you're playing the what-if-I-was-God card. What if I was God? If I was God, 
I wouldn't allow this into my life. Or if I was God, I would allow that into my life. I would allow that blessing into my life, and I wouldn't allow this challenge. Well, as it turns out, you and I are like emotional creatures, and we are fickle, and we have all kinds of trouble and problems in our life, and we have like this thing called rage and anger, and like we would be horrible gods. Like we would be really, really, I can barely manage myself, let alone like humanity and like all this craziness. Like we would be awful gods. A much better place to land is to say, God, I don't know why this is happening, but I trust you. I trust you with my life, and I'm going to dive deeper into relationship with you. In those moments where we don't understand, our flesh and our mind want answers. We want to rationalize. We want to be able to make sense of the stuff that's happening in our life. We want to understand. I can remember a a specific time in my life where I was not doing well. I was not doing well at all. Stuff was not going well for me. I had stepped out and tried something, and it was an abysmal failure. And when I thought it couldn't get any any worse, it did get worse. It went from bad to worse. Like when it rains, it pours. This is like stuff is not going well for me. And I was, you could call it praying or complaining, but it was happening at, at, at a loud volume either way. I was like, God, why is this happening in my life? What are you doing? You make no sense. What is the matter with you? Like, why do I have to do this? I'm trying to serve you. Like, I'm giving you everything in my life. Like, what more do you want? I was having a real good attitude with God, as you can see, you know? Like, why is this happening? I wanted answers. I wanted to understand it. I wanted it to make sense. And in that moment, God showed up. And when God showed up, I could not even remember what the question was I was asking him. I couldn't even remember. It was like God's presence literally dissolved my question because I realized I didn't actually need answers to my question. God never answered my question. I still don't know why I had to go through that time, and I may never know, but I didn't care anymore that I was having to go through that difficult time. In that moment, once I felt God's presence, all I cared about was, are you going to walk through this with me? I don't mind having to walk through the challenge, but I got to know that you're with me. And once I knew that God was with me, I no longer cared about all the questions that I was asking. Yeah, I'm still curious. Maybe God will tell me one day. But all that mattered in that moment was God was going to be with me. A much better place to land is, God, I have no clue why this stuff is happening, but I put my hope and trust in you, and I trust you with my life. Then Paul says, nothing today and nothing tomorrow. Here Paul's talking about time. He's talking about nothing we did in our past or nothing we can do in our future is going to change our standing with God. I love this truth. Nothing we did in our past can hinder God's love in our life. And our performing better in the future, like hopefully you do better in the future, but that's not going to earn you a better place with God. You already have God's love. How many of you have had thoughts about the stuff that you've done in your past kind of creep back into your life and you start to remember some of the stuff that you used to do? Every single person who's here, as it turns out, has stuff that we've done in our life, stuff from our past that we would much rather not have publicized. Like, I would rather that not be on the the newspaper in the morning. Like, 
we all have stuff in our life that we're kind of afraid it might come back to bite us or it might get exposed at some time. What Paul is saying here and the truth that he wants to set you free with this morning is nothing from your past, nothing from your past can separate you from the love of God. In your past, you were not bad enough for God to stop loving you. And in the future, you will never be good enough to earn his love. In your past, you were never bad enough for God to stop loving you. And in the future, you will never be good enough to earn his love. But the good news is, you don't have to earn it. He gives it to you as a free gift. And he's, his promise to you is that nothing you go through, nothing today, nothing from your past, or nothing tomorrow will be able to separate you from his love. Then he says, nothing above and nothing beneath you. Paul is talking here about traps in your life. You can think of, of an enemy perched high, waited to take a shot at you and take you out. He says, nothing above you can separate you from God's love, or an enemy that sets a trap below you to catch you. That too can't separate you from God's love. When I was a kid, I used to read the story of uh, Swiss Family Robinson. I don't know if any of you guys read it or not, or maybe watched the movie, but they had this treehouse. They got shipwrecked, and they end up on this island, and they built this treehouse to survive in. And they, right by the entrance to the treehouse, they had this bucket full of coconuts. And the coconuts were to throw down at any attackers that were coming at them. And then the boy got obsessed with capturing this lion. I don't know if you remember this, but he wanted to dig a huge pit, like this huge hole to catch a lion. Then he was going to cover the pit with stuff so that anybody who was coming down the road who was coming to attack them would fall into the pit and become lion food. That's kind of what Paul's saying. No attack from above, no attack from below can stop you from receiving, can separate you from the love of God. There's been times in your life there's been times in your life where you went looking for sin and looking for trouble and you caused a, a bunch of problems in your own life. Plenty of us have done that. But there have also been times where you were just going down the road, minding your own business, and the enemy came and put a trap in front of you. And you fell into that trap. And when you fell into that trap, maybe you even gave in to sin, you gave in to temptation, and then in that place you sit there and you say, I feel unworthy, like God doesn't want to be with me. And what God wants you to hear this morning is even if you fell in the trap, even if you fell in a trap, you fell in a hundred other times, you still cannot be separated from God's love. And this morning, he is calling you, some of you, out of that trap that you've been stuck in and saying, come experience my love afresh. Even that doesn't have to separate you from him. Then the last thing that Paul says, I called, not that either. Not that either. It's as if Paul sees us going down the list of things in our life that we think should separate us from the love of God. What about when I stole that from that teacher? Nope, not that. That can't separate you from the love of God. What about when I was in the fraternity and I, nope, not that either. What about when I lied? Not that either. What about when I got divorced and we both know it was my fault? Not that either. And you just keep going down the list and finally Paul's like, what is the biggest piece of language I can use to communicate this to these people? And he says, nothing in all of creation can separate you from the love of God. Nothing in all of creation. Nothing you walk through in your life. No challenge you come up against. No spiritual attack. No physical infirmity. No sin. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. 
God wants you to know this truth this morning, maybe more than any other truth, that nothing can separate you from his love. What has been keeping you from God? What has been keeping, what has the space been between you and God? Why has there been space between you and God? Why haven't you been experiencing his love? Why have you been walking through life carrying condemnation when Paul says there's now no condemnation? What's the place in your life where you've believed a lie that something you've done, something you've experienced could separate you from the love of God? What's the challenge you've been walking through right now that's been separating you from God? Would you bow your heads this morning? Maybe it was a past sin. Maybe it was a physical challenge. Maybe a spiritual attack. Maybe your history. God wants you to know today that nothing can separate you from His love. I want to read a a prayer that Paul wrote. Ephesians chapter 3, verses uh, 14 through 19. He says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, and high and deep is the love of Christ's. To know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Lord, I pray for each one of us here that we would be filled to the measure of the fullness of God with your love afresh this morning. Lord, I pray for people who have been walking through life carrying a weight on their shoulders. That the enemy has been quick to remind them of their past sin or their past struggles or who they used to be. Lord, I ask that this truth would ring in their ears strong today. That they would know there is now no condemnation. And nothing in this world can separate them from your love. Whatever challenge they find themselves in the midst of right now, that thing can't separate them from your love. Lord, I ask that your love would be more real to us today than anything else. More real than the stuff of this world. More real than the challenges we're walking through. Lord, let your love be real and fill us to overflowing, God. Lord, I ask you to bless each one who's here this morning. In your name we pray, amen. Go and walk in the free fullness of life that Christ has for you.